The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. My name is Joel Penfield. Thank you so much for making this a part of your day, whether you are on YouTube watching, uh, if you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk some Royals. And joining me tonight, normally behind the booth here, uh, third man here, Tucker Franklin's going to be joined to talk a little Royals tonight. What's up, man? Yeah. Hey, Joel. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, Glad to talk a little bit of of ball. I I mean, I was on uh, the... Outside the Trenches podcast yesterday, wearing my Royals cap, and I figured, you know what, I might as well wear a Royals cap on a Royals show. Um, so here I am. I forced my way on here. I said, I'm, I'm going to be on here, Joel, and, and you can't do anything about it because I'm <laughs> behind the scenes and I get to decide that. So, and yeah, no, I'm just played. But uh, appreciate you having me on. Uh, I, we got we got some stuff to talk about. Yeah, we certainly do. There, the, I think there's a little, at least a little bit more good this week than there was last week with less. So. Well, we'll see where we're at, but uh, before we do that, the show always, as always, brought to you by Kansas City Strength and Condition. Let's hear a quick word from them. From the beginning, we knew right away that we wanted to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community. It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn. We knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get-go, and the fact that we're in the same business and the employees are all on the same page, you know, we can write a program based off of what a kid needs, not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense. It's what does this kid need? On the pitching end, we can say, hey, this kid needs such and such. He needs to do this or that better. A lot of times it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound. It actually needs to be fixed in the weight room. As always, thank you so much to KCSC for sponsoring this show. Be sure to go check them out if you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train. All right, Tuck. So let's start with some positives, some good stuff yes. that we've seen over the last week. Now, the Royals were on a little bit of a winning streak. We were recording on Thursday. They played the day game against Minnesota. Still won the series, but they lose one nothing today. Before that, had a little, little three-game win streak going. Uh, still not scoring a lot of runs, but finding ways to win games, uh, especially in April, is key if you really want to get off on the right foot for the season. Uh, but the thing I really want to hit on here is the bullpen. It feels like we're we're heading back towards what made those 2014-15 teams good and having an absolutely nails bullpen uh, from 
the, you know, from anybody they go to just about, uh, I think they're really finding the right mix there early on. Yeah. I've been really impressed with, with how those guys have pitched. And, and, and a part of that too is, is how good Mike Matheny has done. And I'll give him credit for this of managing that bullpen of knowing when to go to mm-hmm. guys at the right time and, and knowing when guys are, are done the starting pitching wise, that can be a really difficult part of managing. Mike Matheny has historically been pretty good at that. And, and he's been able to do that uh, pretty well so far this year. I mean, if you look at, at, at what these guys are, are throwing right now. I mean, you got Scott Barlow with a 1.35 ERA in six and six and two thirds innings. I mean, Scott Barlow, a guy that we talked to trains at KCSC, a guy ready was getting ready for the season, you know, was training, even though, and even though they were locked out and he's going out there, he's thrown really well. I've been, I've been impressed with Stalmont the other day. I can't remember what game it was. He started, he kind of came out for a save and kind of struggled a little bit, but with his, with his command, but then was really able to write the ship. Um, yeah. uh, there was, there was, a, it was a nasty weather day too. So, uh, so I was actually really impressed with, with Stalmont and, and that effort there. And we've, we've seen guys uh, come come out and pitch really well, you know, Colin Snyder, another guy that, I, that, that has pitched well that huge, I thought huge. of and, and has, has been awesome. It looked like his FIP here is 2.14. So you're like, you're seeing these guys and you're just like, wow, you know, where have these guys come from? You know, you know, it's mm-hmm. like Colin Snyder. I, I mean, I didn't pay that close attention probably to this, as much close attention to the minor leagues as, you know, you and, and, and Alex and Josh do, but I was like, oh, well, you know, where this guy come from? You, you got guys like, uh, you know, Dylan Coleman and Scott Barlow, Josh Dalmont. You know, those are always Josh Dalmont was the name coming up, right? That was the name that we always heard was Josh Dalmont. This yep. is going to be the guy right here. He was the op- they did the opener thing in Omaha with him. Like, well, maybe the maybe the Royals are going to try the opener thing here. So it's it's good to see these guys that we've heard of like like Stalmont, you know, come in and, and be able to get those saves and have these high leverage situations, you know, decently early in the season as good character building, right? As as these uh, totally. kind of these character arc uh, the the character arc progresses. Yeah, definitely. Like we know, you know what you're going to get from Scott Barlow. He's going to yeah. be, I mean, he's been a top 15 reliever in the sport for the last two seasons. So uh, he's, he's certainly lived up to that billing early on. The only thing that does concern me a little bit is his velo has been down a little bit. It's like 93. Mm-hmm. Normally he works like 95, 96. To be fair, a lot of his innings have come when it's been really crappy weather, like cold, windy, yeah. like that's not conducive to pit to good pitching. So hopefully he's still just getting ramped up, but that's certainly something to keep an eye on. He's still been effective. Uh, yeah. yeah. Colin Snyder, a guy that, that Alex and I talked about for the season, he got put on the 40 man roster. Like, okay. I mean, the slider's pretty good and you know, fastballs already got, he was really good in double a got absolutely lit up in triple a. So when he made the opening day roster, it's like, Obviously, they know something we don't, and he's been awesome. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. they've deployed him really well. Not a lot of high leverage situations. Come and get one, two outs, and let, let's move it to the next guy. So it's been a good way to work him in in this spot. And if you look at his baseball savant page, there's a lot of red, which means yeah. he's in the upper percentiles on fastball spin, velo, you know, breaking ball spin, uh, exit velocity, ex- expected batting average and stuff. So he's not allowing a lot of hard contact. He's getting outs. He's not striking a lot of guys out, but he's getting, he's being effective. Dylan Coleman's working in nicely. He's striking out 40% of the dudes he's facing right now. Yeah. Uh, so if he can just miss barrels a little bit more, he's probably going to end up slotting in with Stamon's back in the bullpen. And I don't even want to forget about him. Amir, Amir Garrett has been a great addition yes. too. Uh, came in for, uh, I think it was when Carlos Hernandez uh, went out and pitched an inning in two thirds and was great. So a, ve- you know, a veteran that's come in nicely as well. Josh Stamon seems like he's kind of been the closer. Uh, and is going to be at least for a little while now. I don't know how much longer he'll be able to do that. 
My only concern with him, and it's been the concern for the entire time he's been in the big leagues, is the command just seemed when it when it's bad, it's bad. And he's yeah. all over the place. Now he was still able to get the save the day that his command was completely all over the place. But when you're pitching high leverage situations, you can't do that. You can't do that very often. That happens to him from time to time. So I can almost see like a flip-flop between him and Dylan Coleman. Maybe you deploy Stamont in seventh, eighth. Coleman can slot in in the ninth. I think just the command issues uh, do concern me a little bit. But like I said, he, he's been able to kind of get things rolling. Pitching to a three ERA, the FIP is below two. So he's been great so far. And you have to win games, especially when the Royals offense is as bad as it is. And we'll get to that later. To be able to shut down a game the way that they have early on in the season tells me that we're we're in a pretty good place to be able to win games in the seventh eighth inning when you know it's two to one it's kind of dicey offense is sputtering and you're still able to get a W that that's huge absolutely and I think bullpens you know even nowadays in the age of like home runs I think bullpens are the big reason that that teams win championships and if the if it the is. if the Royals can really lock down this bullpen and get in, and keep this consistent that's the hardest part about baseball right is consistency if they right. can keep consistency in this in this bullpen it, it It'll be great for for years to come, and I'm glad you brought up Amir Garrett. I think I saw something that he came in and threw like 18 sliders or something like that That's in his same. appearance. Yeah, and, and it's and it's great to see him come in and pitch great. Hasn't allowed an earned run yet, and and he's only you know pitched in three innings. But uh, I mean, that's good to see from Amir Garrett, who kind of struggled in 2021. Um, and and so it's good to come in and see him kind of get back to his his old self. And 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 you you're right. I'm, I'm glad you brought up Amir Garrett. You know, I think the I mean we're still talking about positives right we're still trying to keep it positive but right the move of brady singer is very interesting to me um you know we could probably talk about that you know maybe later but i, I think that's that's well, I mean, interesting he hasn't pitched but. since the third game of the season yeah and I, now I, I do wonder some of that to me feels like you are going to throw in the bullpen and by throwing the bullpen I mean you are going to throw side sessions in the bullpen until you know how to throw your change up and feel comfortable throwing hmm. that this is a we are going to work this out come hell or high water because if you want to be a solid big league pitcher, you want to be a guy that contributes to the big league level, you have to throw your changeup. You cannot be sinker slider. Even in the bullpen, it's going to get hammered. It did. That was in that game where they gave up 17 runs. He got walloped, right? For Coar got walloped. So mm-hmm. I, I think there's there's a lot to be desired from, from Brady Singer. I'm not completely mm-hmm. shocked that that we haven't seen him since that game. Yeah, I I'm I kind of want to see what he would be like as a reliever. It's just kind of me one too. of those things that's that's intriguing to me. Uh, he does have to figure out that third pitch, right? Um, he can't he can't be a successful starter in the big leagues and not have three pitches. I mean, it's that's really how it is. But uh, maybe he can figure something out when it comes to like the bullpen. I know Wade Davis tried to be a starter, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, then maybe this guy could can can be a reliever. And he ended up being one of the best closers in you know Royals history. Um, so I think that that could be maybe something that Brady Singer could do. But I don't know if he's interested. I don't. I don't that's that's another thing. It's like the guy's got to be he's- interested in being a reliever, and it. He's he's very much a starting pitcher. Yeah, he I, he seems like the type of dude that is kind of hard headed and like wants to just make it work because it's worked yeah. for you know the entirety of his life pitching. You know, I've been able to throw a sinker and slider and get outs, and I think there's still a certain amount of like still feeling like he can do that when it's very clear that he can't. Uh, talking about some of these other starters though, Brad Keller has been great. He has looked as yeah. good as I've seen him since that 2020 shortened season. Uh, mixed bag last year wasn't great. It seems like he's figured something out there and a guy that you can slot into the middle of the rotation right now. And you know, he's going to give you five, six innings of really solid work, uh, which is huge right now because the starting rotation isn't throwing a ton of innings. 
Uh, Zach Greinke can't strike anyone out, but he somehow only gives up one run in five innings, um, which I don't know how sustainable that is, but it is at least a, a welcome sign that he's still finding ways to get dudes out. Yeah. Daniel Lynch, I think he's starting to turn a corner. He looked pretty solid last night, uh, Wednesday night, through five innings, always struck out two, but didn't give up a ton of hard contact, was getting ahead of hitters. Now it's against the same thing I talked about with Les last week of now you have to be able to get guys out. You have to be able to get to strike three and be able to, to punch that ticket and don't let the at-bat continue. Don't let him make a weak contact on a on a you know a hanging slider and, and go out of the yard like he did in St. Louis. Chris Bubich is still straight, walking way too many dudes which is such a it's a such a huge problem because he is good when he is around the zone, but when he's not, I mean, I, I don't even know if he's usable out of the bullpen when he with how wonky his command can be sometimes. So I don't know what to, to make of him at this point. He's walking twice as many guys as he's striking out right now, which you cannot do at the big league level. So I, I, right. I'm curious how many more starts they give him before they need to, to sit him down, send him down, and get his command ironed out. Maybe that's something they, they mess around with too, and they swap him and Brady Singer if they once they feel Brady's comfortable. Uh, maybe they feel like Bubich is a little bit uh, a little bit more comfortable as a in that five spot right now. But what I think's really helped Brad Keller is moving to that two slot. Yes. Um, not having the pressure of being an ace, being facing other number one pitchers. Zach Grinky gets to shoulder that load. He doesn't care about that, you know. He doesn't. And so Brad Keller's going getting out there and, and being able to. to go up against an air quotes, I guess you could say they're really not facing against each other. Uh, these number two pitchers and, and, and Brad's dealing one, three eighty RA. I mean, you look at this, he's pitched the most innings out of the starting pitchers, 13 innings. I think that's a big deal. I think if, if he can come in and, and eat up some innings, that's big. Even though you got a good bullpen, you don't want to tax the bullpen so much this early in the season that it's, it's a bad thing. So him being able to eat up innings efficiently and be good, 10 strikeouts in 13 innings. Um, I, I've really liked what I've seen from him so far. And, and we talked about kind of before the podcast, you brought it up just now that, you know, Zach Grinky not being able to strike out people is not sustainable. And I don't think that that's something that, that will be a consistent thing for him. I know it was kind of out of the, I can't remember. It was like his first start since like 2018 or something the other day when he didn't strike out anybody. Um, yeah. I can't remember the, the exact date, but it was, a, it was a while that he had gone without striking somebody out. And, and I thought that was interesting. Strike, I think he has two strikeouts and now would be like 16 innings, 16 and a third, something around that. Uh, yeah, that you're not, that's not going to play out long-term. Uh, yeah, but that's also kind of just kind of the pitcher he is at this point in his career. It's right. pitching. It's not throwing and that this happens to guys. So, uh, he's going to get knocked around at some point because he can't get to strike three, but what we're seeing right now, at least he still finds a way to, to get guys out and to induce weak contact, which at this point he, he has to do. Um, Okay. Yeah. Any any other thoughts on on the pitching staff? I I guess. Uh, sorry, I got I have one more point, but you can go yeah. ahead. No, uh, no, no. I, I mean, I'm just I, I'm just I'm going to be interested to see how the starting rotation kind of develops as the season goes on. Right. We we talked about Bubich. He's kind of struggled. Uh, Carlos Hernandez is one of those things where you're you're going to get a really good Carlos Hernandez outing, or you know, you, you know you kind of don't know. You can't strike anybody from. out. Yeah, and he, and he can't. Yeah, that's another thing. It's he can't strike anybody out. The chief, or the Chiefs, the Royals have too many starting pitchers that can't strike anybody out. And in today's MLB, you got to be able to strike guys out. Uh, and and I and I'm gonna be curious to see how Brady Singer maybe even slots back in there. What happens with Jackson Kowal? Does he even does he come back this season? What what's gonna happen here? I don't think that this is the final 
the final form. Like this isn't going to be the same rotation that we see in October or maybe even in, you know, May. So I, I think that the, it's going to be really interesting to see how this all shakes out. The bullpen is solid. The bullpen's going really well. Uh, again, I want to tip my hat to Matheny there for being able to manage it as well as he has. Yes. And I, I agree. I think he's done a good job making it work this year. Cause yeah. it, excuse me, the, the thing that, that kind of was his, the issue in St. Louis was he, he could not manage the bullpen or he overmanaged it mm-hmm. and overworked guys. We've seen some of that in Kansas City too. Uh, Scott Barlow's already thrown six and two thirds uh, in what, maybe like 11 games. Josh Stalmont's thrown six. Colin Slider's thrown five and a third. Uh, was it Amir Garrett's thrown three and a third. So, like, it, there are guys that are getting worked er, a lot early. Now, Scott Barlow can handle that. He's thrown 70-plus innings the last two full seasons he's played. So that's that's kind of what he does. I'm just afraid that if they do too much too early and they're pitching in these in this cold weather and they're taxing their arms now, by July they're going to be exhausted and the bullpen's yeah. going to regress back. So, And some of this is, hey, you need to get six or seven out of your starting rotation more often. Uh, mm-hmm. How often that is going to happen, I also don't know because the Royals threw the least amount of starting – starting pitcher innings in the in major league baseball last year so there there's a little bit of give and take here but i am afraid that Matheny could overwork guys too early which is going to be a problem as you are trying to win games in you know the dog days of summer yeah and that's always that's always a a worry once you start relying too heavily on one thing right especially in baseball when you start really relying on that bullpen it's it's a, almost going to be almost always going to be okay. When is it going to regress? It, it seems yeah. like in baseball, there's always one thing that's going wrong, right? You you yeah. don't have enough fingers for the holes, and and, and this is like one of those things where you just kind of want to nurse this one along as long as possible. But yeah, again, Brad Keller throwing 13 innings in his was it two appearances? I think is I think is good good for the bullpen. Not only yeah. not only for him, but it's good for the bullpen. Well, and Zach Greinke has been able to do it too. Like if nothing yeah, else, true. like him being able to get, if you can get five, five and two thirds, six innings from Zach Greinke, then you're going to be fine all year. I don't care if he's out there and he gives up eight runs. Like if he can just get through six, then that's helping your bullpen. You need to have somebody there. I don't care who it is, but you need somebody to go out there and go, Hey, you're getting the night off. You know, you guys are getting the night off tonight and go out. I'm throwing eight shut. And then someone come in, slam the door and let's go home. You yeah. need that from somebody. I don't know who that's who that somebody is. I don't know if the Royals have that somebody. Right. So if that's going to be one of the really big things to follow moving forward here. Before we talk about the hitters and preview a little bit of the series coming up in Seattle, uh, we have our weekly interview with uh, with Keona Sinks at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum talking about uh, what's coming up here soon. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Kiana. So obviously last week from the last time we spoke, Jackie Robinson Day was on Friday. We talked about the, the Twitter spaces. <laughs> Uh, that went on uh, that Bob Kendrick and others, you know, were a part of. I was able to hop in for a little bit. I was working remote that day, so I was able to listen for for a little while. But what was the reception to that, and uh, how do you how do you think it went? And uh, just some of your your thoughts from that. Yeah, no, it was a great Jackie Robinson day at the museum. Uh, first and foremost, we unveiled the the face Jackie Robinson placard uh, that made its way home to Kansas City. Um, you know, and just serves as a reminder, you know, that. The, the work that we still have yet to do um, and the important conversations around race relations. But obviously it's bittersweet. I mean, we're excited to, to have the deface Jackie Robinson marker, birthplace marker, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's still for us, you know, like, okay, someone, you know, fired a gunshot. Uh, yeah. It's to the placard, but we're excited that most people um, around the country now will have the opportunity to visit and uh, see, see it on display at the Negro Leagues baseball museum. And then our Twitter spaces um, with Jeff Passan, Bob Kendrick, um, uh, Dave Stewart, uh, just Nick Wright, just all those guys uh, moderated by Todd alongside LaTroy Hawkins was really a great inspirational way for us to to make it accessible on socials uh, for people to listen in. And they all shared um, a lot of different insights and their opinions on the game today, the game and, and where it was and Jackie's role was just so much greater than, you know, the color barrier um, and, and, and having more opportunities for not only today's game, but in moving forward and what the Negro Leagues did um, to, to make to make a way for others. So it was a great Jackie Robinson day for the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Yeah, and then we debuted, debuted the Barry Breakers exhibit in, in L.A. So it was yeah it was a crazy day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Super, super busy throughout the, the baseball world. But, you know, one of the one of my favorite days on the baseball calendar for sure. I love the the subtle touch this year. Everybody wears 42. But instead of it being in the normal number for whatever the jersey was, it was the the kind of block 42 in the blue, like the Brooklyn Dodgers Jersey thought that was a very cool, subtle touch that major league baseball did this year. I I really enjoyed that. Uh, Just again, just a nice, you know, something small, but I think the impact of seeing that was very cool. Very cool. Um, And it was really cool to see the Dodgers uh, tweet about our exhibit yesterday. Yeah. So it'll be there uh, throughout the all-star break uh, later this summer. And hopefully another team will pick it up. And so hopefully it'll travel the country really well uh, later this year. So we're yeah, excited. that's going to be an incredible opportunity for it to be there for the all-star game with it, with it being at uh, in Chavez Ravine this year. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we talked a little bit about it last week with the, uh, the renovation for Monarch Plaza. Uh, phase one is undergoing right now, heading into uh, to May 6th. Let's uh, talk about, let, let, re- rehash some of that a little bit for maybe anybody that didn't listen last week. 
Yeah, uh, the museum, we've been working uh, very intentionally to restore uh, Monarch Plaza, the former site of Municipal Stadium. We were very fortunate to get some resources from our partners, Evergy here in Kansas City, alongside others, Draw Architect, uh, and the Missouri uh, State of Missouri Department of Conservation. So they've been a huge help with the museum and working on how do we, you know, not only just restore it from a, from a you know, this design and you know, making it pretty, but obviously uh, monarch, a lot of butterflies and pollinators in the environment uh, and just this whole symbolic, you know, tie into the environment and the history has been such a, a great experience. And so um, actually today or yesterday, actually, I think I sent you the tweet and the photo. Uh, yeah. All the placards are gone. Uh, it's really weird because people have been, oh, hey, I didn't see the placards. Uh, and so they're getting currently restored. We started the phase one of um, the design and enhancement process. Uh, those placards will go back next week or closer to May 6th. Um, and then today we have our first work day uh, where we'll start gutting the site, which is exciting. And so I'm actually heading there uh, within the next hour to join Evergy and, and their green team, as they say, of volunteers. And we're gonna gut uh, all the shuttles and debris and just bring everything up. So everybody's excited about that uh, ahead of May 6th. Well, that's going to be an incredible project. And then later on that weekend as well, on Saturday the 7th, is the March of the Monarchs, uh, honoring uh, one of the championship Negro Leagues baseball teams. There's a lot going on there. So what, 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 what's going on that weekend that people can look forward to? Yeah, food trucks, games, uh, just a, a full jam-packed family field weekend. Uh, this year marks the 80th anniversary of the 1942 Kansas City Monarchs. Uh, and Joel, as you know, they gave our city its first sports championship of any kind. Uh, so we weren't able to give them the celebration that they deserved. And so this whole tradition of where the March of the Monarchs stems from is traditionally when the Monarchs played here at home in Kansas City, uh, fans will literally thousands of people in a marching band will lead the Monarchs from 18th and Vine to the corner of 22nd and Brooklyn. And literally uh, it would just be thousands of people. And that's that winning spirit and, and rallying in the community around the team and so essentially we're reversing that on uh, Saturday May the 7th where we'll start at the we'll have our shuttle take people to 22nd in Brooklyn uh, to start the march uh, and ending and, and ending in the 18th and Vine district where people will be greeted by Slugger and just a lot of exciting things in the works uh, food trucks and all the things that, that kids love and, and hopefully make it where families can attend as well and so it'll be a lot of people out hopefully we get great weather um, but it's free. Uh, so, you know, we're encouraging everyone to come out and join the museum um, and then to just buy some gear, uh, wear your Monarchs attire and just come out and have fun. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Kind of a nice uh, kind of full circle moment while they're going back to, from the site back to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. It's going to be really cool. I'm, I might have to get my family out there for that one for sure. Uh, That'd be awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, Oh, there's a lot going on. And again, everybody become a member of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Donate, do whatever you can. Keep promoting the, the heck out of this stuff. Uh, there's a lot of good things going on uh, in Kansas City with the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And uh, look forward to what we have coming up here uh, next week. It was It's always a pleasure, Keona. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joe. So the offense still sucks. Um, <laughs> talked about it less last week, and it really hasn't gotten better. Uh, considering the Royals still haven't scored more than five runs in the game since the St. Louis game. Uh, that is twice in 11 games this year in which they have uh, scored more than five runs or uh, more than four runs, I guess, because uh, they scored five and seven. Uh, 
still some stuff that yeah that, that's my general my general thought um but i do want to point out that nikki lopez is still hitting and i'm glad yeah. that they made some changes to the lineup it needed to happen uh i talked about it a little bit on on a royals farm report last week when we did our you know a little bit about the big leagues because it's still you know it still matters that the it was the same lineup every day for a week and a half and it was a lineup that was not producing it was not scoring runs and at some point you have to rattle the bat rack a little bit. You have to change things up just to see what happens. If nothing else, and if it doesn't work, then you throw that idea out and you throw out another lineup tomorrow and maybe something sticks. That's yeah. the beauty of playing 162 games. You have opportunities to do that. There is something to be said for continuity and knowing where you're hitting the lineup every single day, but if it's not working, you got to make a change. The biggest change they made was moving yeah. Whit Merrifield out of the leadoff spot, which is something they needed to do. I love Whit. I'm wearing a shirt. He's a great guy. He's been a great player in Kansas City for a long time. It's becoming a concern of how the, the decline is happening. He is currently has a, let's see if I can find it here. He currently has a four way to run straight to plus, which means he is currently 96% worse than league average. He's hitting a buck six or he's not hitting buck 62. He is hitting 150 with a 190 on base and a 175 slug. It is awful right now yep. you had to move him out of the leadoff swipe and he does it's not like he walks a ton so he's not gonna he's not gonna do much for you there and try and you know put together a nice at bat it needed to happen they moved nicky lopez from nine to two to one in three games and it seems like nicky has kind of got it figured out a little bit he he's a much better person to have in that leadoff spot i'd even i'd move wit down to like eight maybe at this six or eight at this point, moving down to the bottom of the order, maybe that sparks something, but I think he still has enough value. Maybe in that two spot that you can make it work. The problem is the Royals don't have too many guys they can put there right now. Yeah. And I'm glad that they also moved Bobby Wood Jr. Down in the order. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not throwing any red flags and neither should you listeners, any viewers, anybody don't throw any red flags. Don't sound any alarms. Bobby's going to be fine. He is working through the stuff that everybody goes through at the big league level. And it's not like he is out there flailing and hacking and looking awful. It's not like we're looking at the scorecard every single night and he's over five with three punches. It's not like he's making errors in the field. He still has plus value there. And when he is making contact, he's not always making hard contact. When he barrels it up, he's just been super unlucky. It happened in the game on Tuesday, I believe, where they had an opportunity to – he had an opportunity to – with the bases loaded and one out, and he screams the ball to the shortstop, 104 miles an hour, hits into a double play. Like, what are you going to do at that point? That's just the unlucky crap that happens on a baseball field. So, yeah, I, I'm not worried about him. He's going to be fine. It's 40 plate appearances. 40. Right. You need about 100, 150 before you have a big enough sample size of, okay, this is where the season is heading for this guy. And by about 100 plate appearances, I imagine Bobby's going to be just fine. The talent is too good. And we can reassess in a couple of in about a month or so once he gets those hundred plate appearances. But I don't foresee a situation where they're going to send him down. I don't foresee a situation where he gets worse. So calm down is all I'll say right now. I think that's perfect. I, I think that may I even was thinking maybe even two hundred plate appearances before I really freak out about Bobby Witt because he does add that plus defensive value as we talked about. I was at that game, you know, the second game of the season when he made that defensive play and the it was incredible. Play, it was a great stop. The throw wasn't the best. Let's let's be honest here. Uh, the throw got there, 
South. He, he, really he made play. the play. He made the play and got the out. <laughs> That's true. That's all that matters, man. I know. Doesn't I know. matter how doesn't matter how pretty it is. He made the play. <laughs> That's true, and I think that. The, that's a whole lot better than the alternative of who would be playing third base. Well, you know, it's Hunter Dozier. Or, Hunter Dozier, who's you know, not good at, who's, at all. Yeah, right. And so it's like, okay, Hunter Dozier has been hitting well recently. Um, we'll say that he hit, he's hit like three home runs in the last like three games or something like that. I don't know the off the top of my head, he's, but he got two. He's got two. Two. Um, okay. One one forty nine WRC plus early on is pretty nice uh, for yeah. him. A nice little bounce back. Oh, it's kind of funny. He has not walked this season yet. And he struck out huh. 23% of his played appearances. So probably due for some regression a little bit. I think he went 0 for 4 today. So I I don't know what to make of him, but it's at least nice early on and encouraging that he's hitting the ball well. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh the box score from from the game earlier on on Thursday. The Royals had three hits. Um, that's not, that's not going to win you any ball game. Um, it doesn't, I guess if those are three home runs, it will, but, um, and we talked about this before. I think the one bright spot of the offense has been Andrew Benintendi and Andrew Benintendi hit a ball that would have been a home run in 29 other ballparks, but that wasn't uh, a ballpark or the only ballpark obviously was Kauffman stadium. Um, kept that sucker in. So I I think Andrew Benintendi has been hitting really well looking at his, uh, slash line here, 371, 436, and 457. And he's doing all that you need him to do. Uh, I'm glad that they've put him kind of in that three-hole right right, at, right ahead of yeah. Salvi. I think that's been good. I, I do – I okay, I will say this. I am, I'm never going to be um, – a Mike Matheny apologist. I know I started off this podcast by saying, you know, he did a really good job managing the bullpen. Uh, kudos to him for that. Kudos to him for mixing up this lineup. But this this is one thing about Mike Matheny that that I don't really like is that he's he's pretty dug in when it when it comes to the to the lineup and stuff like that. Um, and he's almost um, maybe not. I think results based is 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 not what he is. And loyal to a fault. Yes, I th- I think that's kind of that's that's what he is, and and I understand I understand the 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 clubhouse morale of you know Whit Merrifield is our leadoff hitter. He's the leader of this team. He's been our leadoff hitter for for several years, and we're going to keep him the leadoff hitter. I, I I get that to a point, right? To a point to where he's hitting one fifty. And I'm looking at it now. He's now batting one thirty six. Um, you can't have that as your leadoff hitter. I don't care how long he's been with the team. How many, you know, how many awards he has, but you can't have that. And, and I think that's that's really, uh, it's good to see that Mike Matheny is is doing that, is is shaking up this lineup. Um, another guy that that is is frustrating to see at the plate is is Carlos Santana, mm-hmm. especially a guy batting .69 right now is, is what I'm seeing .069 um, after today's game. And you've got guys in the AAA farm system that are tearing the cover off the ball and playing very well, um, hitting the ball well, playing good defense. Vinny Pasquantino, Nick Prado. I know you guys mentioned Nick Prado was doing all this. He was playing like outfield now too, just to see, just to kind of see how they can get him in the lineup. So Carlos Santana isn't helping his straight stock, which sucks for the Royals. Um, but I think at some point you have to say, listen, listen, Carlos, you know, you're a veteran, but man, these guys are knocking down the door. Not only do they have one guy, Who's tearing the ball? Who's tearing it up in, in AAA? They've got two guys who play first base that are tearing the ball, tearing the cover off the ball, hitting well, playing good baseball. Man, I just, how long do you think Carlos Santana has left in this lineup? I, I know that he's getting paid in the contract and everything like that, but at some point, I think there has to be there has to be a line drawn in the sand. 
I'd maybe say about another month and a half, if that. Um, I think they're going to give him that runway because he's a 12, 13-year veteran in the big leagues, and yeah. he's kind of earned that right. Uh, whether I agree with that sentiment or not is a whole other story, uh, but I agree with you. And and, and I, I know that I mentioned this with Bobby Wood Jr., that he only has 40-some-odd plate appearances, like no need to be concerned. And generally, I, I agree with that for – anybody early on in the season. Like I don't worry about guys unless there's some really, really concerning numbers uh, like high strikeout rates or anything like that. But for Carl Santana, I mean, he has been hitting below 170. If you like batting average since the all-star break last year. And we have seen, he fell off a cliff in the middle of July and you cannot have that hitting five in your lineup, especially when you have guys that are going to be a part of the next good Royals team down in triple a, like Vinny is killing it right now. Yeah, he is. Uh, Prado's still striking out a lot, and I don't think he's going to come up here soon. I think Vinny has a much better chance of coming up soon. He had a home run. He had his first Triple A home run today. Lefty, lefty, going to left center. Like Vinny is very close to ready. I, I think. Wow. Um, yeah, and it was a bomb too. It's it's super impressive. It's super impressive. Mm. And at this point, I would much rather see Vinny Pasquantino work his way into the big leagues than watch Carl Santana run out there at first base. Yeah. I'd much rather see that. And and I, and I know I've been saying kind of the same thing. I've been rehashing the same take multiple times on this podcast, but you you can't do it. Like you can't keep running out Carl Santana when you have guys in the that are in your farm system that are going to be on the next good Royals team we hope that are just sitting there in AAA. When Carl Santana right. is up here flailing in the big leagues and is on the 18th hole of his career, I don't care about trading him. I understand. Like, I, I'm not even at that point. Like, I'm not hoping. I don't think there's going to be some like Jorge Soler hot streak that you're able to trade him because I don't know people like. I know there's some revisionist history because of the way the season ended for Jorge Soler, World Series MVP with with the Braves. He was the worst hitter in baseball for about three months of that season last year. He was Very awful. Bad until the end of July when he hit five home runs in eight days, Royals were able to trade him. If he didn't have that hot trick, I don't know if the Royals were even trade him. They probably just cut it. I think he was batting under a hundred. Like, I think he was, he was, yeah. he was under 200 for the entire season. He was legitimately yeah. the worst player in baseball. When you, if you look at war mm-hmm. and then he goes to Atlanta and things ended the way they did. Hey, good for him. <laughs> and he got himself a contract yeah. out of it. Hey, I'm not going to, I'm not going to knock the guy that he got his money, mm-hmm. but for Carl Santana, like we have enough of a track record here that it's not going to get better. It's not like he has some power to lean on. Uh, right. His his thing is that he works good plate appearances and he takes walks. Mm-hmm. That works in Oakland in the in Moneyball. <laughs> I, at a certain series. point, yeah, he's walking to sixteen percent of his plate appearances. Hey, good for you, dude. Yeah, um, you got a hit, and you're hitting below. You're you're hitting. Oh, was it 069? Yeah, that's not 069, No, it's not going <laughs> to cut it. Like, yeah, he's been a, I mean, he's been awful for too long. And I think we spent way too much time talking about Carl Santana, but they keep putting him in the lineup. And right, like I get it. You want to have your veteran in there. You want to have your you have your first baseman in there. Now, I will say this: I am glad that he that Mike Matheny has the restraint to not put Ryan O'Hearn in the lineup every day. I, I will say Just that I was yeah. I was yeah, and that's fine. That's fine. That's his yeah. role. He is a yeah. if nothing else in the big league level, he is a bench player that you give at bats to once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. Now, because he has shown that that is the the player that he is, we have a thousand plate appearances of evidence that he is right. not an everyday player at the big league level, let alone 
you know, uh, your first guy off the bench. Kyle Isbell, on the other hand, got one plate appearance and pinch ran in another game and they sent him down to AAA. I was about ready to get the milk cartons out. Like, where is this guy? Why is he not in the lineup? And I know right. people are saying the same thing about Olivares, but Olivares is a fourth outfielder. He's not an everyday player in the big leagues. So, like, that's that's his role. Kyle Bell can play in the big leagues every single day and be a very good player. I've, I fully believe that. And he was never given a chance. So, sending him down to AAA sucks. At least he's going to get plate appearances there. But you can't mm-hmm. keep him down to AAA for that long. Like, for not, he shouldn't be down there for very long. Then you need to bring him back up. If you want to, like, you need to give Whit Merrifield some days. Like, we're almost at a point, like, I know the, the streak is cool. And, uh, you know, he's played over two-plus seasons and all that, like 400-some-odd games. He needs mm-hmm. to sit down. It's getting yeah. to a point where you can tell it's wearing on him. He's playing a position that it, he doesn't play. He hasn't played regularly, and he's playing there right. every day. And it's an outfield position where at 33, he's having to run around and do some stuff as a declining player. It's not great. Uh, I know we started this podcast all positive, and now I'm just frustrated. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean it was it was going to head this way, right? Um, yeah, and I think that uh, I think that that was it was always going to head this way. I, there's some, there's a couple scenarios, Joel. That I kind of want to just like talk through with you, right? Cool. I mean, with, with in terms of like lineups, uh, one of those things is is like a Whit Merrifield. Do you DH him some days, right? If you want to totally keep that. the streak yeah. going, do you DH him a couple times? I think that that that's something that it's a completely viable option. A- another thing that I think about too is. It, do you bring up a guy like MJ Melendez to catch and be your, be your backup catcher and you put Salvi at DH and then put Melendez and then they can kind of flip flop back and forth if you want that bat in the lineup. Uh, it's just another, another thought that I've had with, you know, Cam Gallagher is a fine backup catcher, but yeah. you know, how good would it be to get MJ Melendez up here and get, get him some reps? And he's been playing outfield too. He, <laughs> there was a game uh, last week where Vinny Pasquantino was playing first base, Prado was in left and Melendez was in right. And Melendez actually looked pretty good. Made like a sliding, uh, kind of a, a little, you know, flare kind of ends up right down the right field line, right, you know, lands fair. And he goes and he like goes into a slide and gets the ball as it's rolling towards the, the sidewall and gets mm-hmm. up and fires and throws the guy out at second. Like, it looked okay. natural. I mean, the dude's such a ridiculous athlete that I shouldn't be surprised and no one else should be. Uh, but that was that's pretty impressive. In fact, they're willing to throw him out there, and he had never played there yeah. professionally. He had been catcher and DH until AAA last year. They put him at third. He looked pretty good, and now they're putting him in the corner because they're trying to find a way. The Royals have a good problem with those guys in that mm. you bring them up, you just find a place for them where they're not going to be awful in the field, not a net negative, and you just let the bats work. It's it's a good problem to have, and the Royals are not letting that problem manifest itself. Yeah, and I think when we talk about putting the bats in the lineup, right, with with, with Vinny Pasquantino, you know, you want him up here playing first base, and, and we talked about it with, with Carlos and everything. You know, maybe maybe he tries and DHs every now and again. I know it's a completely yeah. different animal, DHing and, and stuff like that. And, and really what this comes down to is is Hunter Dozier, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, we did talk about how he's been hitting well. I don't – I personally don't expect it to, to stay to same pace. I don't. Um, and, and I and – I'm – pretty pessimistic when it comes to Hunter Dozier. I, I there's nothing is the guy. I think he's a I think he's a great guy and I think that you know he he got his contract, but that's again a coming to a point of they're paying this guy a decent amount of money. He's not really doing a whole lot. What they're not going to just sit him. They're not they're not going to bench him. You you know the business of baseball is going to kind of take over. Should they? 
eventually maybe at some point yeah i mean maybe they should at some point but to get some of these young guys up here like like i mentioned a melendez a, a, a prado a, a pasquantino to get some to get some reps even at dh just to get some ab's at the big league level could that be a, of a, of a of assistance to them yeah i think it would be but i'm, I'm curious to where you sit on that of, of like maybe uh, letting dozier you know sit out some of these days maybe hitting dh you know maybe not every day of the week maybe every every third day or something like that yeah i mean he the the problem with Hunter Dozier is he is very positionless and not in a good yeah. way. Like what Merrifield is positionless in a good way because you can play him in second, you can play him at left, you can play him at first if you really need it. You can play any of the three outfield positions relatively well. Hunter Dozier is bad at first, he's bad at third, and he's bad and right. Um, yeah. And so like you can put him out there, you can pray, and you can and, and you make sure and you just hope he goes two for four with a double and you know your your uh position there is justified. But I, I I'm kind of with you in that I think it's been a nice story. He's been really good so far, uh put together some good at bats and hit the ball over the wall, which is really encouraging to see. Yeah. But I just don't know how long it's gonna last. I think that 20 out that 2019 season is becoming a bit of an outlier for him. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if he's able to keep it up and, you know, hit 270 and, you know, bop 18 to 20 home runs, then we're feeling pretty good. But I I don't know what his long-term future is. I think there's a scenario where he's probably a a bench utility guy where in a pinch you play, like I said, in a pinch you can play the corners, in a pinch you can play right field, probably going to DH every now and then against lefties. And he's kind of let it roll that way. I think the guys that are coming up are probably going to be higher ceiling guys and MJ and Vinny, Kyle and you know and Nick and I'd rather see those guys in the lineup than than Hunter Dozier. I kind of kind of know what we have him. Yeah, well, well looking kind of at just the roster right now that they have, maybe maybe Dozier is me speculating at the moment now. And maybe Dozier slides into more of that O'Hearn role of he becomes that that pinch hitter, that yeah. maybe not everyday guy. Maybe that makes him better, right? If he's not playing every day. I know sometimes, you know, guys uh like to get in the groove of playing every day stuff like that, but it's sometimes that could be better. It's, it's it is. The toughest jobs in the sport of you have to act like you are a everyday player when you get one about a week. It's tough. I'm not going to act mm-hmm. like it's not. Right. And that's that's something that that I could really see this, you know, uh, the what is it now? 28 man? Is it 28, 27? 20, it's 28 for like another week and then it's going to we'll go down to 26. That's this this roster right now. I just think, man, there's just so much potential. I feel I don't want to say it's wasting, but it's just like it, they're just these guys are just banging at the door, I feel like. And it, and they've got guys like, you know, Michael A. Taylor. You know, batting two oh seven, doing his doing his job, but like, man, you know, Kyle Isabel would be pretty darn good at center field and, and get him out there and get him some ABs. That'd be pretty yeah. sweet. You know, seeing uh, some other of those outfielders get up there and play. I'd like to see, you know, these young guys we've we've mentioned get up there. And it's just it's just one of those things where wins. I know. I listen. We're eleven games into the season. I'm already wanting the young guys to come up and play. Uh, but I just want to. I want to see them already. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, think, you know they're down there, and I just want to see them. I think we're going to get to that point here soon. And and to talk about Michael A. Taylor, he's hitting to a 78 way to run straight a plus right now, which isn't, it's bad. You know, it, it's not, yeah. it, I didn't mean it's bad. It isn't bad. Like it's about 22% below league average, which isn't great, but he plays so well defensively that it, it, it works and it's okay because, yeah. it, and he's your nine hole hitter and you're paying him like your nine hole hitter that is a defensive first center fielder. That's fine. That works. He's um, doing his job. He's doing his job. And so mm-hmm. I can't be upset with him. Mondesi is not playing that well, but he's a shortstop who's very good defensively and they're not paying him a ton. So 
again, like he's doing his job. He's the least of the Royals issues and the least of their problems right now. There are bigger fish to fry than complaining about Alberto Montesi and Michael Taylor in the lineup. Much bigger problems than that. Yeah. So I'm not going to worry about those guys. I, I want to see Kyle Isbell come up. I hope he's able to just kind of get in a rhythm. And if he, I hope he goes to, to Omaha, hits 350, and is back in the big leagues in two weeks and yeah. goes, play me, let's go. Because I think he is a really good player and has an opportunity to be a great player at the big league level. Uh, but he just hasn't really been given the opportunity yet. He did at the end of last year, and I thought he produced really well in September. But he, again, one plate appearance in 11 games. Like, come on. There's got to be a better way to get him in the lineup than that. Yeah. And all these ways, uh, I'm, I'm like trying to, it feels like you're, that you got a bunch of pieces to the puzzle, right? You're just trying to fit it all yeah. together. I'm, I'm, I'm not, sure Mike Matheny's doing that every day, but like, man, I'm just looking at it. I was like, okay, what if you move Dozier to the bench? You bring up Melendez. Melendez can catch. Salvi can DH. Salvi's been hitting good out of the DH hole. Then you bring up Vinny. Vinny can place in there. And then it's like, it feel like, you know, that little meme with all the numbers going by when you're doing all these math equations. Yeah, like I, I'm glad I'm not Mike Matheny, and I'm glad I'm not JJ Piccolo trying to figure out all the, <laughs> yeah. the roster construction. That's like so that's true. why I sit yeah. behind this microphone and I talk about and complain about the guys that are on the big league roster and why they're not. Uh, right. That's why I'm here, and that's why they're there. So bingo, it is what it is. <laughs> um, fun series coming up in Seattle uh, this weekend against uh, the Fun Differential Mariners. Uh, coming off a series, uh, I think it's a four gamer against um, against Texas. Sorry, I. Totally blanked, and I've been watching every game of that series because conflict of interest for me. I love the Mariners. I do. I'm sorry, Royals. I know I'm a Royal, like I'm a Royals fan, Royals podcast, but that was my first love that, that team. So uh, weird series for me every year, but <laughs> should be an interesting one. A uh, couple, you know, the pitching matchups are okay. Um, Friday night is Brad Keller versus Chris Flexen. Uh, feel like the Royals have a pretty good chance in that one with Brad Keller on the mound. Yeah. And another, and what's nice is it's another pitcher friendly park. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in Seattle, the Marine layer is super heavy in April, so the ball doesn't really fly. So they, they have a good chance here. Chris Bubich and uh, Matt Brash, if you're a Royals fan, uh, I know that you're not going to root for the opposing guy. Definitely watch that start because Matt Brash has some of the nastiest stuff in the sport. His slider is ridiculous. It's a, like a 70-grade pitch. It's nasty. Now, hopefully Chris Bubich can, can do some stuff there. And I believe it'll be – uh, Robbie Ray and Carlos Hernandez on Sunday, yep. if I have the rotation correctly. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I didn't even I didn't even look at it. I just only took a guess. Uh, look but, at that. Yeah, I watch too much baseball, dude. <laughs> like not just Royals. Like I watch I watch games from the time I get home from work until the West Coast games are done. So that's that's my Most life. Year, really, man. Next, oh yeah, it's beautiful. MLB TV is a great thing, except for the stupid blackouts. But yeah. I hope the Royals can go in, at least be competitive. Seattle is good, and they're starting to, to kind of put it together. Um, I, I don't know what to make. It's going to be an, also the interesting series with the storyline of having Bobby Witt Jr. and Julio Rodriguez on the same field, yep. uh, two of the top prospects in baseball, both kind of scuffling, trying to make their way. Julio's kind of heating up a little bit. So it'll, it'll be fun. Uh, that series is one of the best. I, I've heard a lot of guys talk about. Seattle's their favorite road trip of the year. You know, they're going to get, they're probably there right now. Uh, ho- or, you know, hopefully in the next couple hours, they get to enjoy an evening in Seattle. And then, you know, get a nice cup of coffee, head to the yard at, at a T-Mobile park. I almost called it Safeco because that's what it was <laughs> when I was a kid going to games there. Um, but it'll be fun. And I, I think the Royals have an opportunity to take two or three. I don't think they will, yeah. but I think they have an opportunity. I hope that we can see the offense start to make some headway i don't i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and make some bold claim that this is a series where they figure it out 
but I want to see them figure it out because they can't continue to win games 2-0, 2-1, 1-0. Like, it's just not going to happen. So I, I hope that they're able to at least make some headway and head back home for the homestand here coming up here soon. Uh, I believe next uh, next weekend they're playing the Yankees. Uh, so that's going to be a big series at, at Kauffman Stadium. So there's a lot coming up here. The Royals you know, hovering around 500. That's kind of where you want to be. Or you know, hopefully they can get a couple of games here. I mean, for how bad they play generally, the fact they're five and six, uh, they're they have an opportunity to get to a place where we can look at baseball in May as oh, they, hey, they're making they're, they're they have a chance here. Yeah, and, I just and want I meaningful think that, baseball, man. I just want meaningful baseball. Is that too? Is that too hard to ask? That's not too much to ask for. Apparently, right? you just you just want to enjoy a game when you go to it. Um, yeah. And there, there were some times last year where I did not enjoy it. Um, and it was it was not fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I, I think you made a good point. The, the starting rotation gives gives the the Royals a good opportunity to win some games here. Um, now it's it's going to come down to the bats, and I think that you know you mentioned the Marine layer stuff like that. It's going to go for both uh, for both teams, so that'll be tough with the Royals not really hitting all that well. Um, but, but I'd love to see the Royals put some runs up. They really got to wake the bats up. Maybe it's another lineup shakeup. I you know. I don't want to put too many eggs in that basket, uh, but maybe that they they get something going here with a uh, the different lineup. You know, I mentioned earlier, Salvi's been hitting really good out of the DH, so maybe they try that off after yeah. a you know kind of a give him a longer rest uh, from catching because it was a day game and then a night game, so they get that kind of extended period off of a kind of a travel day. So maybe yeah. maybe that's something that they throw out there and try to try to shake up a little bit. And but I think that this first game uh, coming up on on Friday, I think that's going to be a really good one that they they can jump out there and and win the first game of that series uh, i think i think that would be big yeah especially like i said it's a good seattle team that's really starting to figure things out early on so you steal one or two there on the road then you're feeling really good coming back home uh here's pretty soon so tuck any final thoughts before we get out of here it can be anything i don't really care oh man i i don't think so i listen i've been seeing all these pictures of kaufman stadium and there being like 17 18 people in the stands <sighs> Uh, it's it's hard to it's hard to see. I know we're not Oakland. I don't know if you you saw this. Joel, oh, that's all, dude. It makes me sad. It really does. Because paid like, attendance of three thousand people of two thousand people less, less than that, dude. Like they, they had twenty seven hundred uh, for the day game yesterday. Like it oh. it makes me sad because like the people in Oakland love the A's and they love baseball. When they were good a couple of years ago, won like ninety five games. And they're sold out, or like pretty at yeah. least like the lower bowls sold out. People in the out in the outfield like banging drums and stuff. Like it's some the, it's one of the best atmospheres in the sport in an awful stadium. <laughs> but it has become very clear the owner does not care. He sold off three of their best players. More are about to go, and so this is more like just apathy from the fans of like we why are we doing this? Like why yeah. is this continue for an owner that's worth two point one billion? He doesn't feel like spending. It's like what a joke, man. Like, yeah. I don't think the Royals. I don't think it Royals attendance numbers are going to get that bad. I, I don't anticipate that. Listen, the Royals haven't had great weather, right? When you start to look at back at the games, I think it was like fifties and. Hazy. Oh, it was awful. I was there on opening day. It was terrible. Yeah, opening day was bad. The Saturday, the one game I've gone to was the Saturday game. You know, that was nice weather. But that's like the only nice weather game that they've had all season. Uh, yeah. Maybe outside of today, and today was kind today of was nice. probably the first game they played where it was over sixty degrees. Yeah. Yeah. It. <laughs> But here's the thing: is I keep seeing all these pictures of you know people school day at the K today. Um, so I mean, you had a good turnout for school day at the K. Um, and I'd love to see some some more people out there. 
You gotta, you gotta go out, go go catch a game. It's it's a good experience and get get a dog, grab a beer. That's my favorite thing. Is get, oh, yeah. get a dog and a beer and just really just taking in that that quintessential baseball essence of sitting yeah. in the stands and just taking it all in. Do you, do you have a go to beverage? I was drinking Blue Moon when I went the last okay. time. Um, I, I do enjoy a Blue Moon. Um, yeah, because because they're Coors or they're yeah they're Coors, um, Coors over yeah. at um, at Kaufman. Everywhere else in the city is Budweiser though, so it's a yeah. little it, it kind of throws me off a little bit when I go. I was like, oh, I gotta kind of uh, shift around. But uh, when I go with my dad, my dad get a get a rum and coke. I'll get Ooh, a okay. Blue Moon. So you know, if I really want to feel nice in Kansas City, I get an unfiltered wheat. Right? You know, mm-hmm. you got, you grab your unfiltered wheat. You have one of those with a dog. All is perfect. Got to get out to a couple buck nights to see how many hot dogs I can eat. Um, <laughs> and then that's, that's the best part of summer, seeing how many hot dogs you can eat a buck night. Yeah. I I had uh, Southwest Boulevard, which is brand new. Oh, yeah. Uh, they had that on tap at the K uh, when really? I went on opening day. And it was spectacular. It, it's basically like a, like if a Corona and uh, Boulevard Unfiltered met. It was It's so oh. good. Yeah, it's spectacular. Um, but it was weird drinking a beer that you would drink on like a hot summer day when it was about 50 degrees and raining and miserable. So the, the <laughs> dichotomy there was kind of interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah. I always try and find like kind of whatever summer beer Boulevard has and enjoy mm-hmm. myself that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a great time. And I hope people go out to the K more, uh, so winning, winning matters and winning cures all. And so you want, you want people in the stands, you got to win games. And I think they have a chance to do that here later on this season. So we'll see. And, Obviously, next weekend is going to be huge because the Yankees mm-hmm. are in town. There hate is a guys. really oh yeah, I hate the Yankees too, but they drive a crowd. Like the, the Yankees, the Red Sox, like the Dodgers are coming this year. Uh, there, there are going to be some opportunities for some home, you know, for there are going to be a lot of opposing fans, but for a nice crowd at the ballpark, mm-hmm. uh, which is just great. Like you, you need that at Kauffman Stadium. Like it, you have to. And so I, I can't wait for later on this year, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, I'm able to get to a game here soon. Yeah, love it. I'll have to go. I have to try to find that beer. I gotta try yes. to go get that. Um, uh, I gotta try. I gotta try it out. And they have new. Hey, Cork has a new seltzer coming out here soon. Tastes I like saw it's like bomb pop. Bomb pop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Might need it. Might. I might need to join you in the the TikTok video for that one. Yeah, I'm gonna do the seltzer review. <laughs> Heck yeah! We'll all right, Tuck. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Let's get out of here. Hope you all have a great weekend. Smash that like button if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe to Casey Sports Network. Tons of draft stuff coming up soon. Buy the Casey Draft Guide. Uh, come hang out at the Kingdom Bar and Grill. I think I might be there at least the good two. Um, so that's going to be really fun coming up here soon. Uh, be sure to uh, like, rate, subscribe on the audio channels as well. Look for KCSN Kansas City Royals. That's where you'll find this show and Royals Farm Report will be out on Monday. Talk to y'all then. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.